Hello and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Disenfranchised. We are the podcast bold enough, brave enough, and brash enough to ask the question, hey, did you know that was supposed to be a franchise? Uh, I am one of your hosts, Stephen Foxworthy, and that other guy flying in, taking the form of a golden falcon, is my co-host, Brett Wright. How you doing, Brett? Ah, oh, Stephen. <laughs> I'm guessing that's falcon for good? That's, uh, that's how falcons sound, right? I have no idea. Honestly, you sound like Tobias imitating a chicken on Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, we've been watching a little Arrested Development lately, so that's fresh in the mind. And then you said that, and I just it it all came flooding back. I love that show so very much. Too bad they never did a movie of that because we could totally talk about that. Uh, but no, we uh, we're not here to talk about that. We talk about uh, franchise starters, movies that uh, were supposed to get the big franchise treatment. And uh, fizzled out after one entry, usually because that first entry is not that good. Um, and I would say this movie is certainly an example of that. What movie are we talking about this week, Brett? Stephen, we're talking about Gods of Egypt, buddy. 2016's Gods of Egypt, directed by Alex Proyas and starring Nikolai Koster-Waldau, Gerard Butler, Brenton Thwaites, Chadwick Boseman, Elodie Young, Courtney Eaton, Rufus Sewell, and Mr. Jeffrey Rush. Uh, that is the cast of this movie. Of course, the main reason that we are talking about this movie um, is because earlier this year, we did tragically lose uh, the great Chadwick Boseman to cancer. Uh, we immediately said, well, we have to do a Chadwick movie. This was the only one that we could find that really fit our format. Uh, but then by the time we found it, we were already into recording our spooky thon. So we couldn't really sandwich it in any earlier. So we're we're putting it here. We're, we are a little late to the game, but we do love Chadwick. We're going to talk a lot about him. Um, but that's the main reason, just to get that out of the way, that is the main reason that we are doing this episode. Yes. Uh, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's the movie that we're here to talk about today. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's it's a movie. It's Actually, this is the, a first for us. Uh, we're nine episodes in. It's the first time we've ever really talked about a movie based on an original IP without any kind of uh, prior prior knowledge or prior uh, engagement. So I guess the we can't really talk about our history with this IP, um, but I guess we can talk about maybe our prior experience with the director, Alex Proyas, or uh, with Egyptian mythology in general, around which this movie is kind of based. We'll get into it. Uh, so, Brett, what is your... Uh, your history with either Alex Proyas, Egyptian mythology, or both? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to check both boxes here. Uh, oh, good. So first, uh, Alex Proyas, he was a director of uh, probably my second favorite film of all time. It's definitely something I need to reevaluate, but um, this is The Crow. Uh, fantastic movie. A movie I still have not seen. And that makes me truly sad. Every time you remind me of that, um, deep in this my is how story. I remind you of what I really am. No, um, I'm just I mean it's not like you to say starry. So I'm just like, man, is this, oh, is this the bit we're doing this week? <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I guess you're mistaken for handing me a heart worth breaking. Look, Stephen, calm down. I'm going to need you to step back from that ledge, my friend. <laughs> that one's for James. It is. Um, so anyway, second uh, week in a row, we've invoked you. Love you, James. Um, what we're going to need to do is talk about what happened later with Alex Price because he does, he does the crow, which is his first feature, right? Which knocks it out of the park there. Mm -hmm. Um, he does dark city, another cult classic knocks it out. The, of the one Alex Price movie I have actually seen. It's, it's fantastic. It is underrated in my opinion. Um, I like it. It's good. And then, man, the dude just goes off the rails. Uh, I have never heard of Garage Days, so I don't even know what that is. Have you seen Garage Days or heard of no, Garage Days? I have not heard of it either. That's his third feature, and I don't even know what it is. Um, it's a real, uh, like, like I think I told you earlier, it's a real Gina Davis situation. Dude has a couple of just bangers and then proceeds to just suck and just drop off the face of the earth. Yeah, so, I mean, he does Crow in 94, he does Dark City in 98, he does Garage Days in 2002, 
And then iRobot in 2004 doesn't make another movie for five years, comes out with Knowing with Nicolas Cage, doesn't make another movie for seven years, comes out with this. Yeah. Gods so, of Egypt. So, so you know, this is 100% strike three. <laughs> uh, Into director jail, Alex Proyas. Yeah, please. Uh, for a number of reasons. We'll get into those later, too. Sure, sure. Um, so... So then let's move on to the other checkbox of Egyptian mythology. Right. Um, in in high school, I was I was huge into mythology, man. I I loved. I mean, th- this is where my love of lore started. Uh, it was Greek mythology, especially, um, and to a lesser extent, Egyptian mythology. That tracks. I could I could uh, I could regale you for hours about it, um, Greek mythology. But who has the time? Is, I mean, a lot of people, but not, <laughs> not any of our listeners. Um, I mean, hey, you're listening to this podcast. You've obviously got some time for our shenanigans. That's true. Uh, for, for any of our video game playing fans out there, uh, if you're not playing Hades right now, you definitely need to be. Uh, that uh, game does a lot of great stuff with Greek mythology. Um, it's, just, it's just great. It's all around good. Uh, I don't know what that is. No, no, we had to... We had to pretend you didn't exist for a minute there, Stephen. I was talking to my video game brethren. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> Just sitting over uh, here twiddling my thumbs, I guess. Yeah, look, I tried to make it fast. You're you're dragging <laughs> it out. Um, that's my that's that's my other bit for this week. Just you know, dragging stuff out that doesn't need to be. Sure, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, but uh, Egyptian mythology is uh, also really cool. And my God, does this movie! Just not give a damn about any of it. Well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna get into that too, because oh boy, um, are there's there's yeah okay. So um, <laughs> I I've kind of already mentioned my history with Alex Proyas. I saw Dark City once, I think when I was either in high school or like just in college. It's been a long time since I've seen Dark City, so it's been a long time since I've seen an Alex Proyas movie. I remember liking it. I remember thinking it was pretty good. A lot of, uh, I think I saw it after the matrix came out. Cause a lot of my friends were like, well, if you like the matrix, you really need to see dark city. Cause it's doing all that stuff, you know, earlier. So I'm like, all right. And I checked out and it's good. Um, it's got Jennifer Connelly in it and I like her and Rufus Sewell is okay. And Kiefer Sutherland is walking with a limp in that movie. Am I remembering that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. And, and, uh, it, the riffraff from Rocky Horror is carving up people. I think it's riffraff. I could be wrong. Um, it's a weird movie and it's kind of cool looking. Like the art direction and production design of that movie is really incredible. I do remember that at least. But uh, yeah, with regard to Egyptian mythology, most of my knowledge of Egyptian mythology comes from intensive studies of the book of Exodus. Uh, I've mentioned my religious upbringing. I was actually a Bible teacher for the better part of a decade. Um, and taught extensively on the plagues uh, as laid out in Genesis and correlated those to the various gods of Egypt, many of which appear in this movie. Um, but uh, that was that was always kind of a, a fun study. And I've done probably a little more reading up on it. I think I have read the myth this movie is allegedly based on, the, uh, the issue between uh, Horus and Set, uh, their whole thing. But uh, but like I said, this movie's not terribly like Brett said. Rather, this movie's not terribly concerned with um, accuracy at all, and it's it's the biggest problem with this movie of one of many problems with this movie. This is a deeply flawed film, and I know I say that a lot, but it really applies here. Um, it bad, it real real bad. Um, just to show my hand a little early there, um, but yeah. So I, I'm probably not as well versed in Egyptian mythology as say greek or roman greco-roman mythology but i think most westerners are probably most versed in that mythology um more than anything um but i am more versed in egyptian mythology than say norse mythology or any east asian mythology or even native american mythology so i would say greco-roman's obviously number one egyptian would probably be a distant second so i know a little bit i do i do also be dangerous Oh, yeah, I, I do also know a little bit of Norse. I'm also a fan of some Norse. I really need to pick up that Neil Gaiman book, uh, Norse Mythology, because Neil Gaiman, as I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, 
is my favorite living author. So I really, that's, I have not checked that book out yet. And that is to my detriment, I'm sure. Yeah. If it, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have probably checked it out, but if you haven't, please go read American gods. That book is chef's kiss. Fantastic. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And apparently there's also a television show on stars that you could watch as well. Don't watch have... it. It's bad. Oh, it is. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, about halfway through, well, three-fourths of the way through season one, uh, they sort of just chuck the whole book out the window. And then, oh. um, well, okay, not the whole book. I'm being a little... Um, hyperbolic? Hyperbolic. Uh, but uh, And then what they did to uh, the actor that played uh, Mr. Nancy, what they did to him is not cool. What they do to Orlando? So what happened was like he... He really enjoyed playing the character. Um, he even did a lot of the writing for the character in season two. Um, he was in talks to be in season three, and then just for some reason, out of the no, out of nowhere, just stars ghosted him for like three or four weeks. And then when he heard from them again, he well, he was fired. That's that uh, that's really upsetting because his casting was the one I was most excited about. Uh, I was I was slightly. I was more excited for him than I was for Ian McShane and Peter Stormare, two actors that I really like. Um, but I was most excited for Orlando Jones. So that is, that's a shame on multiple levels. I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, I, I honestly don't know how we got onto uh, America. Oh, we were talking about our knowledge of mythology and how Neil Gaiman wrote a book called Norse mythology. And he also wrote American gods, which I agree is a great book. It is the first thing by Gaiman I actually ever read before I even got into his run on Sandman. So it's it's one of my favorite books. I own an, a first edition of it. Uh, it's in a box somewhere because I packed all my books away. Uh, but it is it's great. It's one of my it's probably my favorite game and novel. It's really good. So definitely, I co-sign your recommendation of that book. Uh, so I guess let's since we've talked about our history with Alex Proyas and or Egyptian mythology, let's get into the plot of this movie. I guess it, as it is. The weird nonsensical plot of this movie, uh, that is the plot in 60 seconds where uh, one of us decided by a flip of the coin of justice uh, will recount the plot of this film in a scant 30 seconds or less, or it's free. And to decide that, we flip said coin of justice. So, Brett, call it in the air. You know what? Tails has been letting me down. Uh, so let's go with heads. And it is heads. Which means, wait, that means that I do that. I do it this time, right? Yeah. That's okay. Yes. So I am giving the plot uh, in 60 seconds. So Brett, if you would be so kind as to put 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, oh boy. Okay. <sighs> All right. Yep. Let's do this thing. I've, this I've, this plot is insane. I've never been happier to not have to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I can't even imagine. Okay, buddy. Your time starts now. It is Horace's coronation day. He's going to be the king of Egypt taking over from uh, his father, Osiris, who is also a god. The gods are eight feet tall in this movie, too. It's not really important, but also kind of is. Um, he is uh, his father is killed and his eyes are gouged out by his uncle Set on his coronation day. So he's blind now and Set takes over as king and he's a harsh ruler. Uh, there's a thief named Beck who sneaks into the um, into Set's palace because his girlfriend works for the architect. She, he steals the eye of Ra, goes and visits, goes in and visits Horus, gives him the eye back and promise for uh, his girlfriend being brought back to life because she's killed because she defied Set. Um, so it turns out it's impossible, but kind of not. Um, Set goes around killing all the gods and stealing what makes them unique, Tote's brain, Nephthys's wings, and cobbles them all together into uh, kind of an Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet style suit, MacGuffin suit, that he uses to kill all the gods except for Horus, uh, but he doesn't. And that is time. Horus wins and then goes off to rescue Hathor, who got stuck in the underworld for some reason. It's a weird plot. It's a, it's a weird, dumb plot for a weird, dumb movie. Uh, no, no, Stephen. Let's, no, let's... it's dumb. <laughs> All right. This time I'm going to agree. With you. <laughs> Here's, if, if you like this movie, good. I'm glad. Uh, I did not. Um, I get the sneaking suspicion. Brett probably didn't care for it much either. But Nope. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, hey, we decided to do it, and we're going to talk about it. Um, obviously we're going to mostly talk about Chadwick Boseman and, uh, his performance, which is a bright spot. I think he's better than this movie, but he's definitely kind of matching this movie's energy in a lot of ways. So, but we're going to, we're going to get into, we're going to get into a lot of it. So Proyas wanted to, 
Uh, first of all, let me. I'm just going to get hit the elephant in the room just right away. Alex Proyas is uh, an Egyptian man born in Greece and raised in Australia, which makes him the only Egyptian hired on this movie. Um, that's prob- That may not be actually 100% accurate, but um, none of the actors are of Egyptian ascent, descent whatsoever. Um, so that's a problem. Uh, and also a lot of this movie is uh, the cast and crew of a lot of the, particularly the crew of this movie uh, was also, it's an Australian based crew. They worked on Mad Max Fury Road as well. Uh, so we know they're capable of making good movies because um, Mad Max Fury Road is a freaking masterpiece. Um, this this movie is not. I still haven't seen it. Man, I now now it's my turn for my heart to be hurt because oh man, you you got it. You got to see that's that's some mediocre stuff right there, and that is a reference you don't get because you have never seen that movie. Well, look, we'll make a pact. All right, you see the crow, I'll see Fury Road, and we'll call it a day. And and that would be a lovely day. What a lovely, lovely day. I got that reference. <laughs> oh, good. It's, it's amazing because it's a movie you haven't seen. But it's also a GIF you send all the time. I do send you that GIF all the time because I do love that movie and it's great. Um, so Proyas um, got this movie and wanted basically to try to make a movie without that was like a big budget action movie that didn't rely on other ip that was not a part of the entrenched franchise machine that hollywood was a part of which part of me respects quite a bit however this movie does feel a lot like it's really trying to capture the momentum and the energy of 2010's clash of the titans uh it feels actually like a egyptian remake of clash of the titans to the extent you've got two brothers fighting there's a mortal caught in the middle uh there's a giant you know all-consuming monster that comes up toward the end of the movie like it's eerie how similar these movies are um but he wants to do something that's not an established ip he wants to do an original story which is commendable i'm all for it um so he decides to adapt strongly air quote on that word adapt Egyptian mythology. One thing that he says, which is at no point clear anywhere in the movie, is that this movie does not take place in ancient Egypt. It is not actually set in ancient Egypt, but it uses all of the trappings of ancient Egypt in order to tell its story. All the characters are taken from Egyptian mythology, with the exception of the mortal characters, uh, Beck and Zaya. But every every everyone else is essentially taken right out but their roles are often different their relationships with each other are also completely different like ra is the father of set and osiris rather than geb hathor is not their sister even though she totally is like the relationships are all also very very different and weird and strange to which proya says this is a fantasy film so it shouldn't come into play at all to which i would have to ask the question what is this world is it like a stargate style world that allegedly inspired the mythology of ancient egypt uh, and then kind of went its own way to do its own thing is it an asgard like alternate dimension that kind of functions in a similar way from what i've read proyas said he might explain the when and where of the setting of this movie in a sequel but that's not something you'd need to say for a sequel. That's something I need in the text of this film, particularly if you're going to use it as a defense against whitewashing, which he totally does. Yeah, it's it's a real, real strong cart before the horse energy with this one. Uh... I mean, all of this movie seems like it's strong cart before the horse energy. Like, so the whitewashing thing in the room, like this comes out a year after Ridley Scott's Exodus Gods and Kings. I think is what that's. I want to say gods and monsters, but that's that Ian McKellen movie that was actually really good about James Whale. Um, Exodus, Gods and Kings, with Christian Bale. Uh, another movie set in Egypt, ancient Egypt, that has no Egyptian actors in it whatsoever. That got a lot of criticism for whitewashing. This movie comes out, and before the movie's even out, both Lionsgate, the studio, and Proyas, the director, are releasing basically apology statements about you know apologizing for the lack of diversity for lack of a better word in this movie there's one person of color in this movie and that is chadwick boseman um 
who is really the only person in this movie of African descent. Everyone else is mostly pretty much European um, of European descent in, in one way or another. Um, you've got Chadwick Boseman who says he took the role because he wanted them to see people to see someone of African descent playing one of these characters and that it's the God of wisdom and mathematics and science was a plus for him, but everyone else is why. And, and Chadwick's the only one that when this, these claims of whitewashing was being made, the only one's like, no, they're right. I was hoping this conversation would happen and I'm glad that it's happening because it should be happening. And I agree. It's, it's not good. And this is uh, why we love him and we'll miss him. And right. And this is why he is the hero that he is. And he's not playing, uh, a diminished character. He's not playing a mortal. He's playing a God and he's playing the God of wisdom. Chadwick plays Regal really well. And I think that shows through in this movie a lot. Uh, he does. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I look, I'm going to be honest. I haven't, I never saw this movie and I hadn't really, I hadn't, I didn't even know who he was before black Panther. I'm just going to be honest with you. I knew who he was because he was the guy that played Jackie Robinson. I hadn't seen 42, but I knew he was the guy that they cast as Jackie Robinson. So, you know, all I know of him is his, his regal roles. Um, but you can see why they would look at him for Black Panther after this movie. Oh, 100 percent. There's 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 a lot of a lot of regalness in his performance when it does. It, I, I mean, he doesn't have to be. I mean, sure, he's playing a god of wisdom, but. You know, he, he's not one of the, the kings. He's not one of the, you know, main characters. I'm using a lot more air quotes again. Um, <laughs> really more of a vague waving two fingers in the air, but sure. Sure, whichever. Um, <laughs> so he, he, he certainly didn't need to be as regal as he is. But man, dude is good at being just regal as hell. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's it's easy to see. And this comes out the same year, I think, as Civil War. Um, let me double check and make sure that's accurate. Uh, yes, it comes out. Both comes out in 2016. So this comes out just shortly before um, he he's going to appear in Captain America Civil War, which is the first time he appears. So you've got him playing these kind of regal, princely, strong black characters, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, just in terms of representation, it's a it's I think it's great that he's in this movie at all, um, particularly when there was literally no effort made whatsoever to make this cast diverse, which is kind of tragic. And again, this feels really weird because we are two white guys and this is the second week in a row. Whitewashing has come up on this podcast, which is odd. Yeah, we're we're not in any way qualified to discuss this sort of thing. So please do not take our words if they offend you or if they don't offend you either way. Um you know, don't take it to heart because you don't know what we're talking about. I, it it needs it needs to be brought up because it's it was an issue and it was a problem when this movie came out. And I mean, the the official uh, we are all for diversity in films. Um, I like you, you truly you love to see it, and there needs to be more of it. Um, and I'm really glad that Hollywood is starting to to move in that direction, albeit slowly. And after much criticism, uh, it seems to be finally taking some of those lessons. Um, but th I mean, that having been said, this is just four years ago. And the fact that Chadwick in really in just four years, I mean, in just four years manages to rise to the status that he does in, in just that short amount of time is really kind of incredible and speaks a lot to his talent and his ability to portray all kinds of characters. But I'm looking over his filmography here and generally the characters he's playing are very strong, uh, independent black heroes. Um, he plays Jackie Robinson in 42. He plays James Brown in Get On Up. He plays the God of Wisdom in Gods of Egypt. He plays T'Challa in the MCU. He plays Thurgood Marshall in Marshall. Um, I mean, and, and then Spike Lee kind of brilliantly capitalizes on all of that and casts him as the head of the five bloods in the film to five bloods from over this year, which if you've not seen on Netflix is, is such a moving and powerful film, probably my favorite film of this year so far. It's, it's absolutely incredible piece of cinema. Um, and Lee uses that regal quality that Chadwick Boseman brings to every role he plays in such a brilliant way. Um, it, it seems a fitting outro for that 
actor for Chadwick, that, that movie. I know he's got another film that is completed but hasn't been released yet, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, so there is one more movie of his coming out. But if The Five Bloods was the last film that Chadwick ever made, I think it would be a really fitting film because it uses all those things that he was good at so perfectly well. I uh, I really need to see it. It's been on my list of things to watch. Um, I really need to check that out. Yeah, walk, don't run to that one for sure because um, it's 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 incredible. Like I said, probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, Delroy Lindo as uh, I forget his character's name, but Delroy Lindo in that movie probably my favorite performance of the year so far. Uh, it, it's just a real real good movie, man. Uh, and it it'll it'll break your heart. Oh, it made me it made me feel. Oh, it was so good. I love it. It's a good movie. You should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Listeners, go watch The Five Bloods. It's great. But yeah, no, I mean, Chadwick, we 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 stand a legend and gone way too soon. I, I did the math. I mean, he was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, and it was stage three by that point, which means he totally had it while he was making this movie. Um, in fact, every movie that we probably, that you and I at least know him from is is a movie that he made while he was inflicted with cancer, um, which is crazy to me. It's kind of insane. The, yeah. the strength you have to have to pull that off. Yeah. And, and it never shows in any of his performances. Like he's just that good and just that strong a performer. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I posted on, on Twitter and on Facebook and I just, I, it, it's kind of one of those things like you don't really appreciate what you have until you don't have it anymore. And I feel that way about Chadwick for sure. Um, and I mean, I, I don't have the connection to him, obviously that a lot of people of color have because for him, he was a strong beacon of representation on screen. And the fact that I think that was a very intentional choice on his part, again, him choosing to be in this movie because he felt someone of African descent should be in this movie. Um, I mean, those, those are intentional choices that he's making. And I, I think that the American movie going public is stronger for him making those choices for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, all the outpouring of support when Black Panther first came out of all the, all the love he got for finally giving um, younger children of color something to look up to. They had, they finally had, you know, posters with people that look like them on it. You know, they had advertisements in movie theaters that, you know, all the different tweets and posts on social media of like, look, we finally have somebody that looks like us on major promotional materials. Right. And that was, that was great. And I would like to hope that that opens doors in the future. Um, For sure. Hopefully it does. Hopefully it has. Um, this is uh, what Bozeman said uh, when the uh, film, this film gods of Egypt got backlash for whitewashing. He said he expected the backlash to happen when he saw the script. He said, I'm thankful that it did because actually I agree with it. That's why I wanted to do it. So you would see someone of African descent playing Toth, the father of mathematics, astronomy, the God of wisdom. Uh, meanwhile, his co-star Nikolai Coster Waldo said, a lot of people are getting really worked up online about the fact that I'm a white actor. Uh, I'm not even playing an Egyptian. I'm an eight foot tall God who turns into a Falcon. A part of me just wants to freak out. But then I think there's nothing you can do about it. You can't win in, in that sort of discussion. So, yeah. so two two very different reactions to that. Yikes. Uh, that's to say nothing about uh, what Proya said. Uh, last week, we talked about um, Josh Boone's rather tone deaf uh, response when he was confronted with the whitewashing of Sunspot. Uh, Proya says that whitewashing is a justified concern, but his is a fantasy film. So to exclude any one race in service of a hypothetical theory of historical accuracy would have been biased. Double yikes. Yeah. So uh, this is two weeks in a row that we have uh, uh, dealt with whitewashing in, in cinema and tone deaf directors trying to respond to it. Uh, it real, real bad. Uh, yeah. Another thing Proya said, which, which will probably get a triple yikes. Uh, I guess I have a knack of rubbing reviewers the wrong way. This time, of course, they have bigger axes to grind. They can rip into my movie while trying to make their mainly pale asses look so politically correct by screaming whitewash. Oh, oh, God. Yay. Oh, that's dude gets a yike. He doesn't yeah. even get the S. That's just that's a yike, my friend. That's that's that's, that's real bad. That, Alex, oh. not a good look, buddy. Not a good look. 
Oh, brother, what are you doing, man? You've fallen so far. <laughs> you used to be great. Or maybe you weren't always great, and I, you just made good movies. And maybe maybe you're looking at the world through crow-colored glasses, my friend. I feel like I am. Uh, I mean, it's it's entirely possible. Uh, I mean, because because right, the 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 actors that are playing the gods in this movie, um, Nikolai Costawaldo, uh, he of Jamie Lannister Game of Thrones fame, uh, playing Horace, Gerard Butler playing Set, uh, the most Scottish actor to ever live, um, Chadwick Boseman as Toth. Uh, you've got Elodie Young, who is French, playing um, Hethor. Uh, you've got uh, Jeffrey Rush playing Ra. Uh, I mean, those are those are the main ones. You you do have some other actresses in there playing a few other uh, gods and goddesses. Uh, I think there is a minor uh, there is that minor war goddess who is also uh, a woman of color, but um, she's a relatively minor character. And I don't know if she's one of the gods or not. I think she must be. But one of Seth's henchmen riding those giant worms. And then the other girl is one of the one of the girls from um, Mad Max Fury Road, a movie you've never seen. I have not. So I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Which is a shame. I don't know about um, giant worms, though. Talking about Dune? No, no. There are giant worms in this movie, remember? Oh, yeah. I'd almost yeah. forget. I'd yeah. Almost... <laughs> and they have people riding on them, like in Dune. So, But they're nowhere near as big as the worms in Dune. Somewhere between the worms in Dune and the worms in uh, Tremors, which is always, like, that's my metric. The Kind of the opposite sides of the spectrum there. On a, on a scale of Tremors to Dune, how big is the, the giant? Right. From the graboids or... to the sandworms? Or I mean, or, yeah, I mean, or do you want to do Beetlejuice like Saturn worms? Like... Uh, I would say okay, so it's going to be between the sandworms and the and the Saturn worms. Though. So to, to narrow it down a little bit more, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, so, you've I been mean, to Saturn. I've been to Saturn. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to quote Beetlejuice. We're, I, at, we're at a spooky season, but it's fine. You know. It, here's the thing: it's it's so much easier to talk around this movie than it is to talk about this movie because this movie is not very good. The story is insane, and it completely tosses out Egyptian mythology as if it didn't even exist. Like, it was using it as some sort of inspiration, but it didn't even do that right. You could have went ahead and called this movie Gods of South Dakota for about as good as it is. Honestly, this, this entire movie feels like cultural appropriation to me. And maybe that's incorrect, but it just it, it feels like you could have called it cultural appropriation in the movie and probably been just as accurate because it between the whitewashing issue between Proyas's lack of concern with any and all kinds of accuracy to the original source material. Um, it ju- oh my gosh. It just, it, it feels, it feels bad. It just feels wrong, you know? Um, and then you've got sets armor, which admittedly looks really freaking cool, but it's like an ancient Egyptian infinity gauntlet because he's taking all these parts out of all these other gods and cobbling them into his own suit of armor. So he's got the eye of Horus, like the one eye that Beck doesn't steal. And he puts it right in the forehead. He's got Toth's brain, which he rips out of his head and puts at the top of his own armor. And he's got Nephthys's wings uh, and he's flying around using those. Um, and it's got the big, like weird jackal. It's not a jackal because Horace's or Set's face was not a jackal in mythology. It's some weird aardvark thing. This looks more jackal-like than aardvark because jackals are more fearsome than aardvarks, I'd imagine. And um, I would argue it's because everybody knows Anubis, and they're like, I know, I know. Let's just make him look like Anubis because everybody recognizes that. Sure, I mean Anubis is also in this movie, but Anubis looks less jackal-like than than Set does in this movie for whatever reason. But I mean, look, I don't know what they're doing in this. Movie. <laughs> Even you're trying to make me explain it, and I'm having trouble. <laughs> I know. I, heck, I'm having trouble with this movie. But the armor does look really freaking cool. And then he steals, of course, Ra's um, fire scepter or whatever that he uses to keep Apophis at bay. And then fails to keep Apophis at bay and basically tries summons Apophis to try to eat ancient Egypt slash also the underworld. And so when Rufus Sewell... And so the main thrust of this movie is that Set has decreed upon being king that your deeds do not matter, it's just your earthly wealth that matters, which feels like a very Occupy Wall Street 99 versus 1% kind of plot contrivance. Well, I just actually realized we could probably add Gerard Butler as Set to our list of Donald Trump-esque performances. Um, (laughs) Everything Set does in this movie 
some real strong Trump energy. Yeah, some some very strong Trump energy in this, which I'm sure he, I mean, the, the difference, of course, being that set is actually, you know, like physically imposing. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you got that. But, you know, he's, he's full of as full of hot air for sure. Uh, and set actually does something too. he doesn't, you know, like pretend like he's been doing things and and just talk about how great he is. Uh, he does talk a lot about how great he is, of course, but he actually does stuff. Uh, at this point, I think we we know who won the election. At least I hope we know who won the election by this point. Uh, this releases on November 5th. So Election Day was two days ago. With any luck, Trump will not be president in a few months. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. We record these things so far in advance that, that we don't actually know right now as we're recording. But that is my prayer. I hope we're living in a better world uh, than we were at the time of this recording. That, that is my hope and prayer for uh the day this episode drops november 5th 2020 yeah god god hoping i really hope i really wish i could look into the future right now and know for sure but we can't I'm just, unfortunately i'm just i will the power man i'm just gonna i'm gonna will it i'm gonna will it to be on this podcast right now um so yeah but but yes no there's some definite you're right and of course of he covers himself completely in gold so i mean there's that everything trump has is golden i mean yeah. even even his blood is gold because gods bleed gold in this movie for some reason. Oh, that's actually a thing, but yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. We're not going to get into the minutia of what they might've actually gotten right because even a broken clock is right twice a day. So I'm not even sure. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's strong. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) So we're not going to count it. We're going to, we're going to be like, Hey, you got something right. Good job guys. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so there was, that was, And, and so I actually wrote this down. The idea that one's eternal resting place is determined by one's earthly wealth is a horrifying concept that would likely be the wet dream to POTUS and his cronies. So right. it's it's really funny that you would bring up Trump there because that is 100% a note that I had. Um, he's, he's erecting statues to himself. He yes. Just takes over and is just like, my army will tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it yeah, it's gross. And... Uh, a little too on the nose. Uh, and then with about 40 minutes left in this movie, I have the note, good Lord, does this movie never end? I will say Bozeman's best scene in this movie is the Sphinx, the the Sphinx scene where uh, Toth is attempting to answer the riddle of the Sphinx. The fact that he twice gets it wrong, though, and has to be reminded um, by the, the mortal among them, hey, think like a mortal, um, was kind of, mm, okay, fine. You have to let the mortal seem important, I guess, because he's the hero of the movie. But um, the the way that that Chadwick answers that the question the first time, just he's sitting there just with his hand on his cheek, just listening as the Sphinx gives the riddle. And then he he just looks and says, you are order. And then uh, Horace is like, I never doubted you. And then Sphinx just smacks him to the ground. It's, it's a good scene. And then he answers, I think, charity the second time. And the Sphinx goes to smack him. He's like, now that was a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> It was great. It's like as Chadwick is the bright spot in this movie. Like I, I'm trying now not to just be completely negative about a movie, trying to say some good things about it. I, I would say that Chadwick is the bright spot in this movie for sure. That said, he is better than this movie for many, many reasons. I get why he wanted to do this movie. I'm glad that he did this movie. He is better than he's too good for this movie. Um, and then, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to put a final nail in this uh, terrible sarcophagus. Do uh, it. This is going to be our shortest episode ever. (laughs) Because we do not want to talk about this movie. Now, let me tell you something, Stephen. Let me ask you a question, really. Let me pose this to you. Sure. In a movie that is loosely based in Egyptian mythology, in ancient Egypt, even even a little loosely, um, would you or would you not, especially a movie based around the Egyptian underworld, very Mm -hmm. theme Mm -hmm. of Egypt death and all that, Plays a big part in this movie, yeah. Plays a huge part. Um, would you not expect it to have at least maybe one mummy in it? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. But again, it's not actually ancient Egypt; it's something else. But you don't really know what it is, and we're not going to bother to tell you. That that pisses me off so bad. I I hate that so much. Why would you do that? It's clearly a cop out answer because he doesn't want to. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's he's being defensive, is what it is. It's yeah. it's it's not it's a non-answer. If it look, man, just just fess up and be like, look, I didn't know. I wasn't really concerned about it. I probably should have been. I'm sorry. I, I just tried to make the best movie I could. I tried to make something that I thought was going to be entertaining. I mean, yeah. own your mistakes at least. 
So instead, we get uh, an angry guy that's trying to defend his ancient Egyptian fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but see, because here's the thing, even even Stargate, future episode Stargate, makes an attempt to explain the differences between actual Egyptian mythology and what it's portraying on screen. Like, it, it puts in the effort. This movie just says the gods are really tall, and it doesn't even say this is in ancient Egypt. We just have to know because that's that's literally not a part of the text. That's a part of the the what uh, the apocrypha, the stuff surrounding the text that the author has has filled in later or in other other forms. Like we don't actually know that in the movie. So for all, I mean, if all you have to go on is the movie, this is inaccurate as hell. This is yeah, is, is just bad. But then when you take the apocrypha into account, you're like, oh, okay, so you're just lazy. Like at best, you're lazy Dude. because they're they not, not actually putting that in the film. Do they not mention it's ancient Egypt at the big, like the opening narration? Do they not mention that it's no? I couldn't remember if they did or not. I guess not. No, no, no. At no point do they say we are in. Ah, oh, look, here we are in ancient Egypt. Isn't it great? Uh, um, no, like at no point do we do we hear or see that at all. There's just the god, and so I'm literally trying to like make sense of this, and then I glance down at you know some of the. Um, interviews and stuff that i've pulled up to look at when i get bored during this movie which happened a lot um and i see alex proas say oh you know well this actually isn't this is as fan as as uh, as much a fantasy as star wars so i'm like okay then then why do we have to make it look like ancient egypt why can't we just create something completely whole cloth like um patrick patrick h willems did that video not long ago about um gonzo blockbusters like this could have easily been a Gonzo blockbuster. What it tells me is that Proyas probably lacks the imagination needed to make a Gonzo blockbuster, um, and so we don't get like the crazy out there things that we probably could have had. We have to wrap it all in ancient Egyptian mythology because that's something people are peripherally aware of and have at least some visual connection to. Could absolutely be that as well as, and I mean I don't really know like the the studio side of it but it absolutely could have been the studio or maybe he knew that like if i try to do something completely brand new not based on anything nobody's going to buy this movie nobody's going to want to touch it nobody wants to do anything with a completely original ip so let me throw in something that the public parent you know potentially knows and well and here's the thing like after clash of the titans you get stuff like immortals uh, Paul W. Sanderson's Pompeii, you get like attempts to capitalize on those kind of Greco-Roman myths that kind of crop up around that time. Um, but no one's doing anything with Egypt. So I'm I'm thinking Proyas probably sees an opportunity and decides to go after and pursue that. That's my guess. It could very well be what you're saying too. Um, I think this originates with Proyas though. And then the studio's like, well, this could be our new franchise. Because anything based on anything is automatic or anything that has this kind of scope to it in order to even make it remotely profitable has to be a franchise. Um, they said it needed to do at least 30 million opening weekend. Its total domestic box office was 31 million. Uh, so it did not even do well enough. It's opening weekend to, um, to, to earn that sequel that they, they were desperately hoping for. We, you know, like we said earlier, car before the horse. You, you think you're going to have, you think you're going to knock it out of the park. You think this is a winner. There's no way this doesn't completely bomb at the box office. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a star-studded cast. You know, we got the guy from Game of Thrones. We got the 300 guy. Um, you know, how could we go wrong? And this is how you go wrong. Mm. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think we've we've even made it a secret. Neither one of us really liked this movie, um, but uh, neither did most of the American public either. Uh, the, the movie it opened at number two on February twenty sixth, twenty sixteen, behind Deadpool, which at this point is in its third week at number one. See, that's always the thing that I, I always know. I can always tell that when something that is being advertised as a big major blockbuster, if it doesn't open at number one. It must be real bad. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes they'll open at like number two or number three and then multiply and grow as word of mouth. But that happens so rarely anymore. Like it used to happen quite a bit. It used to be like a thing 
that you could expect to see. It doesn't really happen anymore, which is kind of sad um, because it tells me that movie going populations are less willing to try different things than the stuff that they're already familiar with. Um, in this case, superhero movies, uh, Deadpool, which I remember being quite the coup when it came out. Deadpool makes 31 million, which uh, makes more than twice what Gods of Egypt makes, which is 14 million in its opening weekend. Um, number three at the box office, it had been number two the week before, is Kung Fu Panda 3 in its fifth week. Uh, number four is a movie called Risen, which had been number three the week before. I don't know what Risen is. Uh, I also do not know what the number five movie, which is new that week, um, was either. And that is a movie called Triple Nine. I've never heard of these movies. Uh, and my internet is running too slowly right now to for me to figure that out. Oh, hang on a second. It's going to start working for me now. Uh, so Risen, one of those faith-based movies. Kind of looks like it might be. In the year 33 AD, an agnostic Roman centurion is charged by Pontius Pilate to locate the now missing body of Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, this is this is one of those faith based movies that I really don't like at all. Mm. Uh, and then Triple Nine. Uh, what is that one? A crew of dirty cops is blackmailed by the Russian mob to execute a virtually impossible heist. I don't know. That wouldn't sound terrible for a movie I've never heard of. Um, it, it honestly it makes less in its domestic box office total than gods of egypt made in its opening weekend so uh, i'm i mean i'm it this came out in february february is kind of a dumping ground for not great movies so mm, deadpool aside um deadpool's kind of the exception the studio probably didn't have faith in it but everyone else really was excited for it um but yeah so gods of egypt uh domestically does not do uh great worldwide uh, it, it does actually do very well internationally. International makes 107 million uh, for a grand total of 138.8 million worldwide. Probably not strong enough, though, for that sequel, which is why we have never seen it in the four years since and why Alex Proyas has not made a movie in the six years since. Uh, the reviews are about what you'd expect. Uh, the thermometer score is 16%. With, the, with an audience score of 37. So even the audience didn't really care for this one. Uh, the meta score is 25, uh, 15 negative, and 10 mixed reviews, zero positive. And the um, letterboxed star rating average is 1.9 stars. 1.9 stars. So not very well received critically and uh, also not very well received uh, by audiences either. Well, uh, so what, so with that being said, what, what did you actually rate this? Uh, I, I gave it a one. Um, it, it was almost a half, but, but Chadwick kind of gave it an extra half a star. Like I, I didn't have fun with this movie. Like I, I started going like, okay, this could be good. It, it looks fun. It looks weird. There's some different, and I, it just it wouldn't end i couldn't care about any of the characters there chadwick is great the the sets armor at the end the infinity gauntlet MacGuffin armor looks good uh but beyond that i i couldn't care less it's it's not a good movie what about you uh same um wow we actually agree look at that that hasn't happened since alita that doesn't happen often it doesn't or actually, I think it might have happened on Beetlejuice, actually. So it's happened a couple of times, but it doesn't happen often. No. Um, but yeah, every, every few episodes. Yeah. Uh, Chadwick definitely uh, elevates this movie. Um, the effects aren't terrible. Some of them, some of them are not so great. There's, I agree. There, there are some good effects here. Uh, there are some not so great ones. That's always the danger with CGI. Um, like last month, I or last week I talked about how I watched the thing with my sister-in-law and I'm just screaming practical effects over and over. Cause that movie is so good because of the practical effects that they used. Yeah. So it's just not something that people do anymore, at least not in major blockbusters like this. You're not gonna, you're not going to see a practical set flying around. No, I think the evil dead was the last or evil dead. The remake was the last time we probably saw something that really went out of their way to try to do the, the practical effects. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's done way more in horror than it's done anywhere else. Makes uh, sense. Yeah, because uh, those horror budgets tend to be real, real low. Yeah, it's uh, it's the necessity of of the uh, genre, really. 
Um, but yeah, that's I mean the you know the effects on the whole aren't bad. Chadwick Boseman's great. Um, oh, um, Rufus Sewell. Love love a Rufus Sewell. Yeah, you do love Rufus Sewell. And I think the first time the two of them have worked together, let me check on this. I could be wrong, but I think the first time they've worked together since Dark City. I say that because I haven't seen any Alex Proyas movies between Dark City and Gods of Egypt. It's fine. It doesn't sound like you need to. I mean, I prob- at some point I'll probably just, just to be a Alex Proyas completist, I'll probably watch a couple more. Well, that means you'll finally watch The Crow, so hey... <laughs> maybe i'll watch all of them but the crow so i can continue to no i will watch the crow okay. at some point if for no other reason than that you have recommended it to me so strongly uh so they gods of egypt dark city oh yeah that one doesn't count dark city memories of shell beach no no no. so yeah the first time they've worked together since dark city yeah and he's he's also he's the main antagonist in knight's tale knight's tale fantastic love that movie he also plays everyone's favorite founding father alexander hamilton in the hbo miniseries john adams so so yeah, dude, dude is great. He's one of he's definitely one of those that guy actors for me. Yeah, there there are a million things he hasn't done, Brett. But just you wait, just you wait. I haven't seen Hamilton either. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> I'm sorry. You're but, killing me here, man. Look, it's on Disney Plus. I literally have no excuse. No, uh, you don't. It's so good. I know. Everybody tells me that, and I feel super bad about it. I'll rectify it maybe next weekend. We'll find out. Okay. Well, I'm working next weekend, so I will not, but I'm glad you will. That that does make my heart feel a little better. Um, do you have any anything else to say whatsoever about this movie? Though I can't imagine why you would. No, no, I don't. All right, awesome. Um, well then, yeah, I guess that's that's it for this episode. Man, we're we're uh just flying through this one. Uh look, it doesn't it doesn't deserve a longer episode, folks. I'm sorry, it really doesn't. Um, it's not a great movie. Neither one of us really liked it. Um, so what are you going to do? Um, but if you want to disagree with us and tell us why we're wrong, uh, and, uh, give me all the reasons you think I should see the crow, uh, then get at us on the social media. We are on Twitter at disenfranch pod. You can also email us at disenfranch pod at gmail.com. Uh, I Stephen Foxworthy, one of your hosts am on the Twitter and the letterbox at chewy walrus chewy like the granola bar walrus like the tusked animal brett where can we find you on social media you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at gunslinger fire all right well uh then i guess that's all they wrote for this week so until next week uh where we will be seeing you and thankfully not talking about this movie i'm stephen foxworthy for brett wright and myself go find yourself a gold suit and put an all-seeing eye and a all-knowing brain and some all-flying wings on it and do it for your health saving egypt isn't something one considers when balancing the universe but this definitely didn't put a smile on my face <laughs>